0: Welcome to episode number 48 of the Grab Blogger podcast. We're helping academics change the world through online business. We're helping you, the listener, create a business around your research, around your passions, around your background, by giving you the tools and tips and the strategies you need to start online, to grow your business, and to make it into something that can change the world. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we're doing an interview with Melissa Anders from MelissaEanders.com. We're talking about starting a writing and life coaching business for academics. So Melissa, I want to say a big thank you for coming on the Grab Blogger podcast today. I'm really looking forward to getting a chance to chat with you.
1: I'm so glad to be connecting with you here today, Chris. Thanks for having me.
0: Awesome. So I'm going to let Melissa give some of her background, but a couple of points I picked from her her, uh, profile is that she has an undergraduate degree in molecular biology and genetics, did a master's in science, a master's of science, and is a senior research program and development manager for a large research and health institute then on the side of that or in addition to that if you don't want to use the very popular term side hustle that they, that's going on today she also has a business in writing and life coaching for academics again that is at melissa e with an e anders.com and melissa maybe a good spot to jump in is just how do you get started with your business as it kind of sits today and what's a little bit of your story
1: i really i got started with my business really based around my My passion and drive for supporting academics. And it was really kind of a natural progression for me. And I was started out by working with scientists in Toronto and working with him on a large research program. And we started working together, writing large research grants and creating those together. And really through the work that we were doing, we were connecting on a regular basis and um, really started to connect around like creating clarity for him and strategy going forward and taking what he would call sort of a glimmer of something and creating it into um, a real vision for a program or a grant or a paper or whatever was happening for him. And, um, as I started to share that with some friends of mine that were teachers, they were like, Oh, it sounds like you're, sounds like you're coaching him. And I was like, this is back in, this is in 20 or 2008, I guess now. And, um, I was like, coaching? What do you mean? Like football, basketball? Like, what is that? And at the time, you know, there was no what there is now about coaching. And um, so they gave me a bunch of books and resources and I started um, applying some of what I learned. And John sort of said, you know, I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing this. This is really helpful. (laughs) And, And, you know, over time, what I realized was that I had been doing this for a very long time. <laughs> I've been, you know, the kid that people would come to with whatever was happening for them. I'm the kid, or I'm the I was the adult that I would have strangers giving me their life stories. And um, it would just sort of has become very obvious to me that this is this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So that that's sort of by creating the business, I really have taken what I've learned through the last, you know, 15 years of supporting academics in writing and developing large grants, combine that with this strength that I have in supporting others and creating clarity and to create the business and just create more, where the business really came from was to just create more opportunities to do the work. I began to have the sense that I could do it for others, and like John included, and, and, and others as well. And I just wanted to be able to do it more. And my business has become a vehicle to do that.
0: Yeah, I love it. And we're going to get into the path of the business and how it developed some interesting things around you know how you do marketing, um I asked for your social media handles, and you had some very specific messages on that <laughs> and uh, some things like that I see on your website like free discovery calls and that, but maybe even taking a step back, because you kind of mentioned that you always were this you know easy to talk to person, people would open up to you. Did you find that while you're in your undergraduate and then graduate degrees as well, and I'll let you dive in as far as makes sense on on the history there before yeah I'm curious before you started working with i guess I'll call him John because I don't have another another thing to call him here written down before you started working with that group
1: <laughs> he knows who he is so it's okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> like how did you become how did you start working with him in the first place
1: I certainly wasn't aware of my coaching strength while I was in undergraduate or graduate school i did i was always seeking though i was always I realized that the vision that I had for myself was not an academic vision. Um, I kind of got into—I always wanted to be a writer, actually, when I was a kid, and and some glimmers of psychology or that kind of a thing, which which also makes sense now. But in undergrad, I, I chose science because I, ironically, I thought it would be easier to get a job than going into. Um, English lit or something else. And, and I love, like, I love science and now it's really supported me because I understand the language of my clients. And, um, but I, I think I could tell story after story of being approached either by people that I know or don't know. Um, (laughs) my favorite for good or for bad. I mean, my favorite story along those lines was like getting an ultrasound done for something and having, the ultrasound technician just completely give me everything that was happening to her, from like getting married to her brother passing away to what she was going to do next with her life in a span of twenty minutes, and then me going to get changed and coming back and her saying, looking at me and saying, "I don't know what just happened here." <laughs> she was just astonished that she had just shared all of that and. I love to tell that story now because it just feels so good to be able to share that as a strength for myself and and be aware of it and and be in process with sharing it with others. So, I think to answer your question, I think it's always been there for me in different ways and it's it shows up for me all of the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I love this conversation, this kind of finding your strengths over time because i my strength is not that people like to open up to me <laughs> um, my 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 wife kelly she's she's got that strength she's uh works with with children as well, so families and family members and you know it's it takes a special kind of person. I'm not really that person, <laughs> but I did have a learning experience through my corporate career, and I didn't realize that it, what it was until I started my own business even until I was a couple of years in, but it was like I'm very good at big picture. I'm very good with uncertainty. I'm very good with, you know, give me five whiteboards and I can figure a plan out for anything. I'll probably like your client there. And then I'm pretty good at focusing down. But once I get to the really nitty gritty detailed things, um, and I used to be a software developer, so I'd make a great plan. And um, then I'd implement the thing on the the, the smallest micro level of a function by function and it just like, it just jammed. It's like, oh, this this sucks. I don't want to do this part. I want to go back. So I really leaned into my strength being, and it's been nice in the online business world because I can, I can bring on a team that does that and supports that really small, not small like inconsequential, but small in the details that just make my mind numb look at when I look at it. And you learn those things about yourself while you're working, when you're, you know, go through phases in your life. And and certainly when you're running your own business, you learn, you learn all those things, strengths and weaknesses about yourself. So it's an important conversation.
1: For sure. Yeah. And I love, I love the idea of building a team to fill in those gaps, right? That's great. And build, finding the people that have those detail as a strength, right? And that it's fun for them. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: Really cool. So we talk about how you got into um, writing and life coaching, but you know, what do you if you had to just describe what you do? You know, what is it that you do with your clients?
1: Yeah, so what we really do is the work that we do is really focused around transforming their anxiety, overwhelm, and confusion that can come up while they're writing, and so that they can bring more ease. Clarity and confidence to their writing process. I think for most academics and most of my clients, what happens is they're often overachievers, so they're not familiar with not being able to do something easily or well. Um, and not to, and most of my clients are excellent writers, so it's not that they need support in the actual writing, but. Oftentimes, what happens is that they're making they're making their writing mean something for them, um, whether that's uh, their next job, their career, their you know whether they're going to get this paper that they really need, and they're feeling desperate and all of the stuff that's coming up for them when they're writing, and it just becomes very clear as to why they're avoiding writing because they're avoiding all of those feelings, right? And it's often why, you know, they're they're really having trouble getting started. Like uh, most of my a lot of my clients will say, you know, once I can get started, I'm okay. But it's the getting started that's the, the real challenge. So, you know, we have a variety of we do inner work paired with outer work where we're really looking at what's coming up for them in a way that supports them to actually process that and also practically to create structures that will support them to develop their own writing process that works for them um, so that they can really make their contributions and share their message or communicate what they've found which ultimately, as an academic, is really what their what their desire is, uh, is to be able to share that with their community so that others can benefit. So that's sort of the big picture, if you will, of um, of the work that we do together and what we create.
0: This would be for like for papers and theses these we'll say thesis, I know it's not the right word, Um, grants and proposals and other writing that academics would be doing?
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. So it can be anything from papers, publications, um, like for publication, thesis, which can be very overwhelming. Yes. And yes, period, all caps. And or even things like um, when you're applying for a new position, And you need to write your research proposal, something like that um, can often create a lot of anxiety and and really supporting them to use the writing to take themselves and their own personal growth to the next level. That's really what we're doing, is we're creating, we're transforming whatever is coming up for them so that the next thing can come in and then take them to the next level.
0: Yeah, you you mentioned a couple of key words there, like lots of pressure, desperate, you know, blank page. And and we've I've I wrote, you know, the the uh 250 word plus thesis and 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 um and lots more since then as well. Um and it can be, you know, yeah, I think having somebody to help you depressurize a bit, deflate a bit and kind of step back from it, it probably probably unleashes a whole, you know, volcano of, of things. And this probably comes out a lot faster for actually writing as well.
1: Yeah. So we have a lot of, I share a lot of practical tools. There's within academia, I would say there's sort of like the inner work that I'm talking about. It's kind of like a little mushy gushy and like do people want to go there and, or aren't as familiar with it. We're more um, intellectually connected with the world. And it's, it's really sort of learning how to, to manage that. And by actually processing some of it, you are able to move through the practical outer world um, of writing or whatever it is that you're doing more easily. Yeah. And, and as a result too, I mean, we do writing, but it's, what comes up or what generally happens with my clients is we were focused on the writing as the primary connection, but inevitably, um, we begin to learn about other relationships in our life, like our relationship with time, um, our relationship with others. And, and there's lots of opportunities for growth there as well. So it sort of evolves.
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate sharing that kind of background about what you do and, I don't find it mushy, gushy at all. And and I'm probably, a, I don't know if this is like prejudice, but I'm probably would be thought of as a person that would do that. But I I, I call it different things. I, it's For me, it's your mental models of the world. And I, I have a very uh, robotic, maybe is the term, but robotic view of it. It's like you have your body, that's your hardware. You have your your mental models, that's your software. And taking some time to improve those, those mental models is um, of the utmost benefit. And if you don't do it, then you're you're also doing it because you're you're just going to have that stuff all jammed up there. So I don't see it as mushy. I I don't talk about it as mushy goosey either, but I think it's important work to do. Yeah, so what you do, I, I think it's important. People can check out, um, again, MelissaEAnders.com to kind of see what you do. But I, I want to move into the business side. Um, I think we probably have both people listening to this podcast. We have people that are like, holy crap, I need somebody to help me with my writing <laughs> and then nobody people going and we have lots of people that that are writing coaches and maybe want to get in or that are helping with writing and that maybe want to get into life coaching as well. So probably some benefit to talking about the, the business side, what are maybe a good starting places? What are some benefits from creating a, you know, a, a, a side business or another business along with um, your, your regular, we'll call it regular, but your other employment with, uh, with the research Institute.
1: Great question. So Oh, what I've really found with holding both the full-time position and um, my job, and maybe this will be helpful for your, for your listenership that are just trying to get their toe in or start, start to do the work on the side, is um, and speaking of those mental models, what I sort of supported myself by doing was really thinking of it as a hobby at first. So really thinking of that side part, um, you know, I do this because I enjoy it. I want to connect with people in this way. And I, that was sort of how I mentally started to think about it. <laughs> and that just helped me with the, with the fear that comes up when we do anything differently, right? Because immediately your mind will go to, well, how am I going to find time to do this? I'm already, I've got two small children. My partner's extremely important to me. I'm holding a full time job. Like, where am I going to find time to do this? So, and so to sort of support myself with that, I was like, well, what if we did just did this for fun? And then as it began to grow, I started to think of it. Well, what if I thought of it as a full, like a part time job? And and just sort of easing yourself into the process in that way, I think is really it was super supportive of me. And I think as the more serious you begin to take your business, the more others will, will take it seriously as well, which was some very good advice that I received from, from my coach. And it's, it's really a process and focusing on this, the small steps to get yourself through where you are now into the next phase and just focusing on where you are is is the most supportive but i think it's actually in retrospect it's actually really supportive to be able to be in a position where i have a full-time job that's supporting me financially as i transition into doing my business full-time and uh because i don't have that sense of desperation because i have an income right now
0: and i can see it from both sides because i I was gonna. I was just laughing because I wrote down there. Actually, mirrors exactly what you said about writing <laughs> and the pressure and the 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 struggle of having so much invested in that writing, and then how well the writing goes when you remove some of that struggle. Um, then the conversation about the the business was actually the exact same. The pressure you put on yourself, you can remove that. It actually flows a little bit easier. <laughs> um, but I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, I I like that model for graduate students as well. I started my. Online business, if you will, I started communicating online during grad school, so I had a stipend, I had savings because I've been working for a number of years as well. But there was a little less pressure. i also had a, a, my first son on the way, and and uh, you know, a hundred thousand dollars in student debt, and some other <laughs> things that were pressure on the other side as well. But so I, there did come a point where I had to make it work. But it is nice if you don't have to make it work if you can do it while you're doing grad school, while you're doing something else, or while you're doing your full time business. And that's not an option for everyone and if you're in a volatile work environment that sucks and living a life that sucks maybe you maybe you can afford to to jump in head first if you take some steps to protect from that but i i like the discussion cuz there's obviously people out there thinking about this and viewing it as a hobby um you know thinking about it as a process and kind of just relieving some of that pressure gives you a lot better chance of success same as writing a paper <laughs> you're going to be more successful at the end of the day if you don't just have those those pressures coming on
1: that's right. Not not thinking about nature when you're when you're getting the few the first couple sentences down is supportive.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so what I, I had this note in here and you, you already mentioned some of them, but if there's any other ones that jump up, um, what are some struggles from you know having a side business that you think people should be thinking about?
1: I love this question too, because it really allowed me some space to reflect on that. I think when I first started. The big, the one that really showed up for me the most, um, and as you know, your business like when you have a business, it's there's so many things that come up. But the first one that really came out for me was, well, two. One was putting myself out there and being visible and vulnerable was part of the struggle for me and and really easing myself into that. And I can talk about that a little bit more. And also the other one was really around like (laughs) comparing myself with others. So really wondering about, you know, is someone else already doing this? Who am I competing with? All of those aspects and moving through those two mental models were one of, were two of the first things that I really dove into and, transformed for myself, I would say.
0: Yeah. I was going to ask where, so people do feel that way when they're getting started a lot of the time. What's your second point about comparing yourself to others and um, competition's a big one, somebody else doing it. Where's your head at these days on that?
1: So what's interesting is there was sort of, I just, I remember it very clearly because I had, I was doing some of the inner work on it and um, then just suddenly I realized I was like, Oh, I just had an idea and I didn't check google to see if someone else had already had that idea so i was i had i was often stuck in this roundabout of i even just for when i started blogging i would come up with an idea and then i would immediately google it to see if someone else had talked about it already and like in this current <laughs> structure of our world that it's really well it's it's challenging to come up with something completely original. So if you're measuring yourself by that bar, it's going to be hard to have anything to say. And and also, I just love that moment because I was like, oh, I didn't check that. And I just, part of that process for me was really just, and as a part of what I teach, is really just capturing all of your ideas. Just capturing them and being able to come back to them at the right time or when you have time to explore them further. But I think what really allowed me to start to transform that for myself in terms of um, what do I have to offer versus what everyone else has to offer and where I am now is that I think the more you connect in with what makes you unique, you are able to, really express that. And it also just, as you start to express it and share it with others, and then you start to get the feedback that this is worthwhile for me. I remember when I did my, one of my first workshops and starting to get feedback from people afterwards and really being able to share that with them and receive that feedback was actually a really big deal for me. I'd been working the way I kind of entered into it. And it was also, you know, taking advantage of my full-time job was I just, I asked my boss if I could run a workshop on writing for our team. And he was like, sure. So I did that. And it really sort of eased me into it, being able to share that value and also sort of realize like, I've been doing this for 15 years. I've got I feel good about sharing this and I've got some things to say that might be useful. And it's really just realizing like what the intersection is of whatever you have to offer, um, which I think is often true for academics and probably your listenership is they've got a, a lot of different pieces that have come together and made them unique. And to be able to express that and share that it, it begins to, transform how you feel about your value, what you have to offer and then suddenly the competition part doesn't seem to matter as much and you're sort of just sending out the message of this is what I've got is it something that you want.
0: Yeah, love it. That's a it's a really cool you know story to hear that progression because we all start there, right? Where we're we're worried about what others are doing and I don't think I had much competition online when I started with the safety science because I was such a specific topic. There were literally nobody writing online about dust explosions, <laughs> my thesis topic, which which is actually obtainable for a lot of academics, I think. Um, that's why we, we talk about that a lot on the, the podcast. You can actually get in, you can be one of the first people and it allows you a lot of space to grow. But I certainly wasn't, when I started Blogger, the first person talking about um, academic business. I mean, I was part of a community that was, Self-employed PhD. I was part of other communities that were academics that were building businesses. Um, so there are a lot of people in that space. And I think that space is only growing now. And because I was not afraid of competition and that, well, I hope I'm growing as a voice in it as well. But we'll we'll you know, we'll see how how that goes over time. But if you take a broad view, you're always going to you know if you if you step back far enough, you're going to be like oh there's always going to be overlap. But if you put yourself in and jump in, eventually you'll find that it just doesn't matter anymore. You don't, you're not scared of it. You'll eventually you'll find yourself with that idea that you don't actually Google to see because it doesn't matter <laughs> if somebody else is doing it, if you can figure out what you bring uniquely to it. So, um, really cool journey. I appreciate you sharing that. I want to talk about this, um, marketing side of your business a bit. And, and specifically just, we have a, a standard form that people fill out when we're doing interviews on the podcast. Um, and Melissa mentioned that she doesn't have a Twitter or a, a uh, Instagram handle or, or whatever, but the which which isn't unique. There's been lots of people have filled in the space. What was interesting was that she mentioned, you know, it's an active decision just to be on LinkedIn, and then that I kind of like started like, oh, what's that all about? So I, I figured I figured that was something to talk about. So <laughs> yeah, what 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 is that all about?
1: Yeah. So I I love the opportunity to share this with you. So um. When I first decided to open my business and I really got caught up in the online marketing world and going back and what I mean by caught up is just (laughs) what we could tend to do as those that are intellectually connected, or at least what I tend to do is learn, like just learn, 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 keep learning, just keep learning, just keep gathering information. And it's going to become clear. And I was just doing a lot of that, and um, I was I experimented with Instagram for a while, just to play with it, have fun with it, um, personally, and then and Twitter a little bit. Facebook has not a lot of appeal for me, and I just I realized I was doing a lot of it unconsciously. And using it as a way to distract. And it was consuming time for me that um and with my relationship with time has completely changed. And as a part of that process, it was really taking out activities um, that weren't really aligned with what I actually want. And that was that was some of them. So um, that was part of it, but also in terms of marketing. I really wanted to have like a a single means of communicating with me. So it's very con. When I say it's conscious on my website, like every direction is to email me for um, a discovery call with me, and that is really the reason I've chosen to do that, and I've given it thought is that. I want, I, what I like about my business right now is that it's small and that I can do that. So it's like an advantage that I have to be able to create those connections with people as soon as they have the courage to connect with me. And so when they do that, I really want to honor that for them. And I want them to feel as though we've started, we've created a connection because we have, and my sense from and not to say that that can't happen over other social media but for me it's it's just something that both supports me in creating that connection with them and also just to have that funnel that's a signal a single space for how to connect with me and i've just recently as part of my 2020 um <laughs> Uh, plan i'm I'm starting and wanting to broaden my reach is to move out to LinkedIn, but in very, very baby steps, small ways that are supportive to me, like posting my blog that I'm writing every week on LinkedIn as well. and And just to begin to share my message within the community that I already have connected to me, in- increase awareness that it's a part of something that i'm doing which has been fun actually because I, now i have people at work coming up and saying oh i saw your blog on linkedin and what are you doing what is this writing and life coaching thing so it's it works right it, it's it creates those connections just in a different way yeah so i'm excited to see how that all evolves too but
0: yeah i want to I go in two directions here um and not at the same time because that's impossible. But uh, the first, the first thing is back to the social media. Because I've, I've also, um, I'm, I'm on social media. We have structures and systems in place to distribute our content in a way such that um, we pull people in. But I've, I've not really been on social media for the last six months, um, actively as well, because of a couple reasons. Um, one, it, it was very time consuming. Two, I found it was, it was taking priority over things like spending time with my son. And and three, and this is the one I want to get your thoughts on, I found that I was becoming very emotionally attached to the outcomes of the process. And so I had, and like, actually, and this has big cycles to it. This happened to me when I started GrabBaller Connect, our Facebook community. Loved it in there all the time, do Facebook Lives. Um, really put myself out there, really trying to help. And, and it was like, and it's so hard to keep a community like that. You know going over time um, and then you become so emotionally connected to it that you're you know you're you should be like watching TV and relaxing and your brains likes and their um, switches are flicking and stuff so I've, I've deleted I tried Instagram like three times in the last six months and right now right now it actually is on my phone but LinkedIn Twitter I delete all the apps from my phone I only do social media through my computer you just can't do Instagram through the computer it's pretty much useless but I was wondering if you if you felt that because I, I think other people may as well this kind of emotional attachment to the outcomes. So I, I guess those would be um, the likes and whatever. But is it was that part of it when you were going through that?
1: Oh, so when you, I that was my going to be my clarifying question was when you say attached emotionally attached to the outcomes, you mean when you post something, then you're looking to see, you know, has anyone responded or yeah?
0: Yeah, your brain wants to know whether or not. Yeah, exactly
1: that is or what i would say is one of the fundamental reasons as to why social media has got so many people right is cuz that's exactly how our brain works there's literally a system in our brains that is based on reward right so we are we are looking that reward and so the the social media likes activate that system for us which is fine right but it's it's also like any system if it's overused it's and as you know it's like um ooh, it's like saturated right so then when you do get a reward you don't, you don't really feel it or you can't celebrate it. Cause you're like, I've been, this, this is, the system has just been over, over firing. Right. And then when something really it, so then the thing that has to happen for you to feel good has to get bigger. Yep. Yeah. Is that resonating?
0: It is. And I was laughing, you, um, Melissa saw me laughing on camera because the upgrade to that is dust safety science. We're doing an online conference and we're selling tickets, um, and they're uh, multi-hundred-dollar tickets. And every time somebody purchases, is like, "Ting, ting, ting." Um, and somebody <laughs> just purchased, uh, just flicked up on my email <laughs> while it was on the screen while she was talking about the, <laughs> the dopamine response to uh, yeah. to uh, whatever endorphins being released in your brain to, to the psychological right. hits. Um, so yeah, it's but on the social media side. So I've I've like closed down to okay, I need to be able to tame this thing and work with it mm-hmm. or else it's not that, you know. And social media is critical to my business. I don't really have another path. We, we have so much content creation that that's really a core part, but I have been able to distance myself away from it. And that's the thing that I was going to say at the second point with what you were saying um, was that I like this get really good at one thing and dial really into that. And And really good means, you know, technically you're good at it, but also emotionally you can deal with the repercussions of it and, and all those other aspects and then kind of work your way out. I really like that as a um as a framework. So if you're out there listening to this and you're like trying to do all the things for your business and trying to share on all these different platforms. Well one go back to my content machine series on the Grab Lager podcast and I'll I explain some better ways to systematize your content creation. So you can check that out and uh, and like it on Twitter too. No. Okay. kidding. <laughs> um, and uh <laughs> but you might need to reconsider you know how much time you're spending on low value things and how much emotional attachment you have to them because it can be hard man especially if you're running yeah if you're running communities and your that reward center emotional attachment to that reward is is a tough thing
1: yeah and it's it's also it's like your level of energy right it's going to take up so much energy and time to to do that yeah and for me that one thing that i realized was really that I needed to connect with people, and actually, I thought you might like this story because what I what I part of how I realized that was actually what I learned from online dating, which is kind okay. of a funny connection. But, That's my
0: other podcast, yeah.
1: yeah so the podcast, <laughs> but you know, I was extremely methodical and analytical about online dating and finding my partner, and through that process, part of what I learned was really. I, you need to get in front of the person. You need to c- actually connect and be able to really understand if you're a match or not. And for finding, finding my clients, like I do a lot of... I'll actually, a lot of my clients, I, I, or some of my clients I've never met. So it's possible to connect over audio and make that connection, right? But really being able to connect with people in-person is the best. And then, you know, in by audio is really, you know, for those of your listenership that might be interested in coaching, it's really, that's how the person is going to feel like they can move forward with you.
0: Yeah. I was going to come back to that because I like your, I like the discovery call. It's something I call it customer insights. Um, so you're always trying to generate customer. The the best way to generate a, insights about your potential customers is to actually have a face to face conversation with them. I've talked with this on the podcast before, maybe third episode thirty five. Customer insight generation machines for your blogging business. Um, one of those is talking to your your customer. Heaven forbid you have to actually do that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but I, I
0: like the way when, when I went to your website, I really like. There was a couple of parts of it. So. So just like front and center, you show up and there's a question. Are you tired of procrastinating about your writing and ready to sustainably create um, your contributions more ease and, and confidence? And then so there's two parts. Of this. One, the call to action is right there. What you want people to do most, your one thing that you're focusing on. And, and sure, it will broaden out over time into other areas. But that one thing is front and center on your website. I love that. And then two, you give people a really good, what I call an off-ramp. And you should have these in your emails. You have these in your outreach. But if yes... Your next step is to email me and book a call. And that's like, if yes, your next step is to email me here and schedule a, a discovery call. I really like that just easy off ramp. Somebody's head's thinking, okay, well, yeah, I am tired of not being able to get started on my writing. Oh, my answer is yes. Okay. Well, what if it's just, oh, I book a discovery call? Well, that's pretty easy. You're just, so I, I like that's front and center. I like they have a really good off ramp on that. Did you have any other tips for that discovery call or? Maybe for somebody that's getting started and like, oh, well, I'm kind of nervous about talking to someone, you know, how, how has that evolved for you over time? Or what would you say to that person?
1: So what comes up first is practice and toe dipping with friends or people that, I mean, inevitably, if not inevitably, I shouldn't say that, but a great way, a supportive way to get started in coaching is to, is to do testimonial work. So you would be doing coaching with people that already know, love, like, and trust you, friends, family. And that's definitely how I got started. And anyone that I know that's doing coaching got started and to do those and to practice. So it just helps you to feel better about making those connections and and being able to move someone through that process. I also have received support from my own coach. And so that was extremely supportive to me to get to know what that process looks like. I, I have trained in coaching, uh, like I have formal training in coaching. Um, but I have to say that my coach, her name is Jennifer Sherwood and she the work that i've done together with her has been the most beneficial to my coaching work and and learning how to support someone with coaching and uh yeah and it's just sort of learning how to and and knowing that it's it's not going to go perfectly and then taking a look at it and seeing what happened and where, what you might do next time. But it's really that, that process is, um, you know, I've also received business training from, um, and I'm in process with it, with uh, businessmiracles.com. And for, they're for highly sensitive entrepreneurs. And it's, I've really connected with that. And it's part of, their process in terms of how they approach sales for, for um, highly sensitive entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah. I love it. And I was going to, we'll, we'll pull out some of those links um, that uh, um, that Melissa mentioned there and put them in the show notes as well. So you can get those at grablar.com slash 48. We'll, we'll uh, the team will pull those out. I was going to say, do you use like a a standard kind of script um, or something when you're talking to people or, icebreakers or what's your process look like for structuring the call?
1: Yeah. So I, I do have a script that supports me for the call. And when I first started, it was extremely supportive. <laughs> and now as I've practiced more, I, um, I'm less dependent on it, but I would say that it's an ongoing process. And I think as you know, I think we talked about it at the start of the call is just focusing on the process versus the outcome is the way. Like it's just, it's the way to grow. And whatever it is that you're working on, that's going to be how you get better at it. So, but yeah, definitely I have a script and I develop that in relationship with my coach and the training that I've received.
0: Awesome. So, We've covered a, a qu- quite a broad swath of swath of, of ground here. And I've been pulling out kind of little tips and things that, uh, you know, if you're getting started in a writing or life coaching business, or even if you're starting another business that could help help you, you know, grow and, and um, get through that. Things like, you know, focus on your strength, focus on finding your strengths and doubling down in those areas. You know, don't fight towards your, your weakness, but fight towards your strengths. Think of it as a hobby or, or you know, start with the stakes are lower. You know, different things like that. Uh, don't get caught in the trap of comparing to others and and googling your vlog uh, every t- every time you come up with a new idea to make sure nobody else has got it <laughs> yet. Um, focus on making real connections. I mean, I really like this focusing on one. We'll call one marketing channel if we if we want to be really really businessy about it. Focusing on one marketing channel, and getting used to that and good with that, and um, and then expanding afterwards. And and maybe making that marketing channel a real connection. I, I like that idea. Um, and the benefit of when you're at a certain size, then you, you know, you can respond to that a little bit better. Obviously you can't serve, you know, 2000 clients with a, a personal call every, try to do the math in my head. I don't think you can do that with a personal call every hour, but I'd have to, I'd have to re recon, I'd have to do the math there, you know, so things like, and then things like having a script in that. So I, I, I think those are all really good benefits, really good points, and we'll probably pull those out for some sort of cheat sheet for this episode. But what if there's somebody who's just at the start of this journey, and maybe they're in grad school, maybe they're freshly out of grad school, and they're, they just want to get started with their own business in some way, and they, they like this idea of treating it as a hobby and kind of moving forward, what kind of advice would you give to them for that process?
1: Yeah, I think what's really been the most supportive to me as it's been evolving is to really stay connected with what i want for my business. I think it's a real shift in the way that we think when and feel when we are academics or in the world of academia where we're a student and we're in that mindset of, you know, doing something, receiving something for it. So Completing an assignment, receiving whatever it is for it, um, a mark or a grade, or if you know, in on, or in graduate school, if it's an experiment, receiving the result of the experiment. You know, we're sort of in that mindset, and also, you know, the expectations of your teacher or your supervisor or all of those. The others around us. And I think what happens when you start your own business is at some point you kind of realize, I get to, I, this is for me. Like I get to do what I want here. And it's a real shift to go from that sort of call and response to being the person that's deciding what you really want and what you want this thing to look like. And, and the more clarity you have around that for yourself, the more clear you're going to be on how you can create your business to support you and what you want. not sure if that's clear, but what I really mean by that is, you know, if I love coaching people one-on-one, then I want my business to create, or I want to create my business in a way that supports me to do that. And who are the people that I really want to connect with, versus being worried about whether they it's the it's the right or the perfect path, um, and just really being connected with that for myself, and and trusting that the more clear I am about what I want, the more easily my business will support me going forward.
0: Yeah, I was looking around for the. It's not necessarily a quote, but something I wrote in my um, kind of life strategy document, if you will. So the the gist of it is that it's not about building a business to sustain your life, but it's critical the vision for the business that you're building aligns with what you want your life to be. And, and really importantly, and this is the key one, enables it. So if my life is such that I want to be able to um, spend time with my son, or that I want to be able to get better at golf, or you know, whatever the, or to what whatever the goal is. And you can't, you probably don't start the business that way. But as you grow, that's a really good mindset I get to get into. How do I build a business that enables me to, you know, fill out, fulfill my personal vision instead of like the cart before the horse, like you were talking about. Okay, I built this business or I have this job, um, and it's you know, it's allowing me to do these certain things. Flip it. How do I build a business that aligns with my vision, aligns with my values, but also enables me to do the things that I want to do in my life? And I was, I was digging around here trying to find the quote. I'm quite found it, but I found a note that was that was close to it. I think that's a really cool place to, to end off on this this uh, this really great discussion. So I really want to say thank you, Melissa, for coming on. Again, her Melissa's website is uh, Melissa M E L I S S A E anders a n d e r s dot We'll definitely have links to that in the show notes. Um, if you have questions around certainly writing as an academic um, life coaching and and you're feeling stuck and feeling that pressure about getting started writing, you know what to do. If the answers if the answer is yes, send her an email at uh, support at Melissa e. anders to schedule your discovery call. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just want to say I really appreciate you coming on, and sharing, and being so open. You've probably uh even made me be a little more open than i i am normally on the podcast so i appreciate that
1: beautiful my job here is done all
0: right
1: Uh, it's been a pleasure chris i'm so i've been so um, fortunate for this opportunity to connect with you and to share my story and, and i hope that it's it's served others in some way
0: awesome i appreciate it and i'm sure we'll get you back on the podcast at some other point soon i'd love to so, you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Clooney, and Melissa Anders. We've been talking about starting a writing and life coaching business for academics, and we've actually covered much more than just getting started. We covered almost the whole life cycle of the business, and we started with her background, um, how she got to finding her strengths in coaching, and and how people are just randomly opening up with her in in, in weird spots, <laughs> and how that led to you know identifying and starting a business. We talked about what you know what her business is today. Um, We talked about the advantages of starting as a side hustle. And if we can use that term on, you know, beside her business and the advantages of taking it slow and going through that whole process, things, you know, to watch out for comparing to others being really attached to social media or attached to outcomes of your business or attached to the little Stripe payment button or, or whatever it is in your business that you're, you're feeling a little attached to maybe creating some space there. We really closed off on coming back to some business topics and not that the other ones at the start weren't, but you know, coming back to some marketing things, how do you identify your most important marketing channel? How do you really learn to double down there, do well in that space, and then kind of expand back out? So it's a really kind of interesting discussion for me. I really appreciated having Melissa on. I encourage you to go check her out on LinkedIn. Um, type in Melissa Anders, you'll find her there, or Melissaeanders.com. And as we as we discussed, don't hit her up on Twitter because she's not on there at the moment, but she might be on the future. So definitely go check her out. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast after it comes out, because she'll she'll probably broaden her marketing scope even more in the future. Um, and I just want to say thank you for listening to the Grab Blogger Podcast. I appreciate you having you on. As always, we'll pull out the show notes create a PDF transcript of it. You can get that at grabblogger.com forty-eight. We're gonna pull out these uh I say eight or nine uh, tips to building an online business focusing on writing and life coaching, and we'll put that as a as a cheat sheet that you can get there as well. So I'll say thank you again for listening to Grab Layer Podcast. I'm looking forward to bring another great topic to you next week about building your online business.